remember my uncle, remember doing algebra and, and he would sit down and spend time with me doing homework. And that was something, and this is not a judgment on my mom, but again, she was so busy as a working mom. I don't remember ever having somebody sit down and do homework or read to me or any of those things. And, and it's no judgment on her because it's something that we do, you know, nightly with our kids. It's just, Mm -hmm. it was her circumstances. Um, So they, having them pour into me really changed my outlook on life and changed my perspective on things. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive, imperfect action, unapologetically chase your dreams, and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Amy Lacey is the incredible woman behind the explosive startup company, Cauliflower Foods. Following a lupus diagnosis, Amy was forced to give up a lot of her favorite foods and completely revamped her diet. Missing pizza, Amy hit the DIY online recipe scene and began perfecting what is now her famous recipe for the cauliflower pizza crust. While heading up a massively growing startup hasn't always been easy, it's nothing Amy can't handle. She has an entrepreneurial determination and strong gratitude practice that has built a multi-million dollar business out of a need to improve her diagnoses. She recently became a best-selling author with her most recent cookbook, Cauliflower Kitchen. I can't wait to get my copy that Amy is sending me. But in the meantime, let me tell you, it has 125 cauliflower-based recipes and some of Amy's top secret recipes revealed in the cookbook. Amy believes in giving back, and I've seen her give, give, and give, and then pour, pour, and pour to the community that raised her to become who she is. In the recent wildfire in Paradise in Northern California, she and her team fed members of her community using her own pizza crust. Who knew a DIY recipe could turn into something even greater than just a business venture, but a tool to feed those who need it the most? Amy's heart is bigger than big, and she continues to give back to 501c3 nonprofit organization 
including my very own Woman of the Year campaign, benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. This mother hustler is something else, and I can't wait for you to hear her story. But sisters, that is not it. She is giving away three of her cauliflower gift packs to three lucky listeners and audience. So keep a wide open eye out on my Instagram at Kareen Mills or Amy Lacey's at Hey Amy Lacey for more details. Without further ado, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler mothering the world this week, founder and CEO of Cauliflower Foods and best-selling author of the cookbook, Cauliflower Kitchen, Amy Lacey. Welcome back, everybody, to the Being Mother Hustler podcast, and I'm so pumped because I have the CEO and founder of Cauliflower Foods, Amy Lacey, and this has been a long time coming. We spoke together in, let's see, September at Spark Portland. Yes. Welcome, my dear. Welcome. Great event. I'm so excited and honored to be here, so thank you. I think what you're doing for mothers and just women in general is amazing, so kudos to you, and I'm honored to be on this. I'm really excited to hear your journey. I I heard a little bit of it, but I think when we have a focus on podcasts, it's super, super um, more detail. You know, yes, we only have 50 minutes, but it's going to be a lot more detail, very organic. So just tell us your story. Let's start with your childhood and how that was. And when you tell that story of your childhood, I want you to sort of take us through from there to adulthood and what kind of lessons did you learn from your parents that you really took with you when you became an adult? Yes. Do we have like eight hours? I have a drama background childhood, but I will try to keep it because I I think I have a childhood that is very similar to a lot of people's childhood. So Mm. I used to think, I used to have that martyr mentality about my childhood. I used to be Mm -hmm. resentful and I used to think, woo is me. I'm the only one that ever experienced this. But as you start talking to other women and I'm in a place now in my life where I do get to talk to a lot of amazing women And lo and behold, it's interesting that, for example, you mentioned the uh, Lewis House Mastermind. That group alone, in that group, Mm -hmm. most of them have had an unusual childhood. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if anybody's done a study to show unusual, tough children, upbringing, childhood situations, unlike my own children, um, (laughs) some correlation, because they have it made. If there's some correlation to entrepreneur and success to rough childhoods, I'm not sure. But I noticed in that mastermind, most people had struggled in some point and made a message out of their mess. And that's my big thing is make a message out of your mess. So I had my biological father was an alcoholic, eventually drug addict. My mom Mm -hmm. left him at two. And I praise my mom all the time for the strength that she had to leave him because she 
her parents were products of the depression. So mm -hmm. their attitude as far as supporting my mom to leave my dad was, you made your bed, you lay in it. And that's what my grandma said to my mom. And I love my grandma dearly. She's passed on. But, you know, she grew up in this really tough time herself. So I don't blame her for that. But my mom had no support. So it was tough for those first, before my mom got remarried, it was really tough. And I didn't know as a child, she did a great job of protecting me of how poor we were. So wow. my grandma used to make some, make my clothes <laughs> and I have school pictures lots <laughs> and <laughs> little shirts with a big old A across the chest where my grandma embroidered. Like she did, she loved to do embroidery and she loved to make quilts. So she would monogram my clothing. <laughs> so funny. Wow. Um, but my mom and I, we were together for a long time and it was just the two of us. And she did a great job of doing the best she could being a working mom. So often I talk about what I ate as a child and I'll, I'll touch on that and I won't elaborate too much, but a lot of times I had rice cereal. So white rice with milk, sugar, and cinnamon. We had um, a lot of, a lot of uh, hamburger patties and a lot of fish sticks, a lot of foods that I definitely probably wouldn't feed my kids at this point. I mean, we eat hamburgers, but um, I don't feed them uh, a lot of that quick processed cheap food. Um, but I know my mom did the best she could. So I don't blame her for that. I just, um, you know, she did the best she could. So I talk a lot about that in my cookbook is, um, how I grew up eating certain things and um, how you can make them so much better now. Um, and so then my mom, um, you know, I don't remember my mom ever bringing like men to the house or dating, but all of a sudden when I was 11, my mom was getting married. Like she secretly like dated this man who is my stepdad today and all of a sudden she was getting married and <clears throat> we were moving. I was changing schools and she was getting married. And so I became very, it's like I had all of her attention. And by the way, growing up, my dad would say he was going to show up and then he wouldn't. And I was that kid on the back porch waiting for my dad who never showed up. So I had a lot of insecurity issues and um, yeah, so I, I was that dad. You know, I'm probably, I know I was warned that I should get tissue. I probably should get <laughs> some tissue really quick because I'm getting to the part where my kids die when I reflect on my teenage years. So hold on. Is that so bad that I didn't have it? You warned me in an email. <laughs> this is what happens. It's so funny. No one ever believes me when I say that. And then they come to the podcast and they didn't bring a tissue and then the emotion starts popping up and I really love what Amy is saying about the correlation between a rough childhood to successful entrepreneur because I think as bad as it was um, our childhood forms a lot of courage in us when we go through this I was just yeah um, talking while you were getting your tissue <laughs> I'm so sorry she did the it's job okay. of warning me. <laughs> I feel like I, I've talked about this a lot lately, but I went years without ever talking about it. But I feel like I um, went to this life coaching event and I opened up for the first time about it. And I'm like, okay, it's time. 
to share that experience because I want people to see my success and know that it wasn't handed on a platter, but that I had trials and tribulations and a lot of insecurities. So back to my mom remarrying, a great guy. But at 11 years old, when your hormones are changing and you've never, you've never had a man really in your home or in your life, because my real dad, my mom left him when I was two, like I said, all of a sudden we we're supposed to be this instant family. And I wasn't accepting it. Like I just um. wanted my mom to myself again. And I didn't know how to process all these emotions I was feeling. So I went to live with my real dad because I felt like I just decided that my mom didn't love me anymore and that she loved her new life better. And I was going to go live with my real dad. And all of a sudden I became a fan of this man who continually really betrayed me as a child, Mm -hmm. uh, leaving me on the back porch, waiting for him to come and not showing up. And of course I've forgiven him. He, he had a disease. He's no longer with us. Alcohol killed him, but he had wow. a So I went to live with my real dad. And my real dad lived in this apartment complex. And um, he was a bartender. <laughs> Ironically, he was an alcoholic and a bartender. Wow. So, um, I mean, he went to Chico State. He was a history teacher. He had been fired from that. And he became a bartender and an, and an alcoholic. So he was a successful man at one point in his life. Um, and while living with him, I was alone a lot in this apartment complex. And I used to go down to the rec room and I would, um, you know, swim in the pool and the hot tub. And one night I was down there and, um, this is where it gets really tough because I've only shared this a few times and I was sexually assaulted Mm. by another person that was visiting, um, that, apartment complex and I won't go into great details um I'm great you were 11 I at this point I was 12 12 at this point this the the marriage all of the there's a lot there that I'm leaving out but a lot of fighting a lot of Mm -hmm. not accepting the new house and how it was going to be um yeah and rebelling against that and um so going to live with my real dad um, I think I had been there about two months and, and now I'm getting like, really, <laughs> you do bring it out. Girl, you just do it because this is how you heal. You know, the more, and, and you know, when you talk about these things, cause I know that we try to keep a lot and I just like literally this podcast have healed me by accident because of the stories that I hear women share. Well, you know, my story has a lot of domestic as a child watching my mom and dad domestic violence. But um, when you share these stories, because we bottle it up for so super long, not only that you feel good after, and so your cries or your tears are healing tears, um, but you also give a lot of people permission. Like you said, you're not the only one that went through it. So by sharing your story, you already know that it's gonna give so many people permission and impact yeah so that night was really tough I managed to um, get out from under the situation and run into the rec room and go into the bathroom and lock myself in the bathroom and there was a little tiny window so I couldn't get out of the window I just stayed in the bathroom all Mm -hmm. night long and um, the person that attacked me um, got away with it basically I never saw him again 
So um, I never told, I, I kept it to myself, but um, I was uh, violated pretty big time. And yeah. so what I did was I ran away from my dad's house. So mm. I went to live with a girlfriend of mine who I had told everything to. And she too came from a rough background. She lived in a double wide mobile home with her mom um, and her grandmother mm. and her two sisters. So I went to stay with them for a while. And my mom was trying everything at this point. She had me seeing counselors. She knew nothing about what happened at the apartment complex. I kept that very close to my chest. And, and like a good mom that she is, she did everything she could to get me to come home. So she had me in counseling. Um, and basically she went to the extent of uh, getting the police involved. And unfortunately my friend's mom was like, you can't, you can't stay here because I'm now getting in trouble. So, so I ended up going to a temporary foster home. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so that was interesting. Um, I ran away from the foster home. <laughs> wow. And um, yes, and I think about that now. I've, I've relived some of this recently because my daughter is 14. Mm. And when she turned 12, I started feeling the feelings inside that I, I remember feeling back then. And, and of course, um, where I live today is where I grew up. And so my daughter is around, you know, she's in the same little environment that I was, but it's changed so much. I mean, I'm almost 49. It's changed so much. I can't imagine her just running around, you know, yeah. street. I mean, I remember I slept on a park bench one time. I can't even imagine her doing that. So the long story short, my parents finally, my mom and my stepdad finally said, look, you have to go live with your aunt and uncle. Like you need to get out of this environment. They blamed a lot of it on my friends. You mm -hmm. need to get out of the environment and go live with them for a while. So I did, I moved uh, just outside of Portland, Oregon mm -hmm. and um, lived with my aunt and uncle for about six months. And my aunt and uncle poured into me. They spent, my aunt spent wow. a amount of time with me. She had a farm. Um, so I used to milk cows. <laughs> I worked with horses. Um, she taught me how to sew. It was really a whole different environment. And I spent wow. with her and then they also enrolled me in school. And I can remember my uncle, remember doing algebra and, and he would sit down and spend time with me doing homework. And that was something, and this is not a judgment on my mom, but again, she was so busy as a working mom. I don't remember ever having somebody sit down and do homework or read to me or any of those things. And, and it's no judgment on her because it's something that we do, uh, you know, nightly with our kids. It's just, mm -hmm. it was her circumstances. Yeah. Um, so they, having them pour into me really changed my outlook on life and changed mm -hmm. my perspective on things. And when I came back home, I, I really just cleaned up my act and I'm grateful that I never did drugs or I was never sexually promiscuous because maybe mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here today. You know, mm -hmm. so often kids that run away from home end up on drugs or pregnant or prostitution. None of that came my way. I just was a lost child. I mean, I just was a lost teenager. I didn't feel loved. And I share a lot of stories with my kids now because I want them to know, you know, I didn't, I don't know how I graduated from junior high. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs> you know, the teachers and the, and the school saw something in me. 
Um, and I know it was really smart, but I didn't go to school. I, I just ditched school and I, yeah. I ditched life in general for a couple mm. of years. That wow. is my childhood. It was uh, rough from the age of 11 till about 14. Very, very wow. rough. What is it in that childhood that you take with you now as, um, well, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're a CEO, you've built this amazing multi-million dollar company that is still like you haven't even scratched the surface because the potential in your company is so huge. So what, and, and it's interesting how you said about the correlation between successful entrepreneurs and a rough childhood. And this is why exactly I want everybody to share their childhood and every single guest of mine, because I truly believe there is a correlation. Um, in every person that I talk to, when I have them paint the picture of their childhood, and you know, as myself too, and like you, I went through a patch where I was a black sheep. You know, like I think we just go through that because we are seeking for something. Because yeah. as a child, we didn't have something that we were seeking for something that sometimes it leads us in the wrong path. So what is it in those hard, tough, runaway moments that you think you can now, not only as a parent, by the way, because I know I parent very differently than my parents because I didn't want to do the bad things that they did. But I also want to apply the good things that they also brought to me in my life into my kids. So talk about what you learned through that and talk about what you learned from your own mother that you now use and apply as, as a mom as well. Absolutely. So 100%, I believe my childhood has contributed to the success of this business. And mm -hmm. I say that because my mom, my grandmother, they're survivors. My mom's a survivor. I mean, she's a tough person and she works hard and she knows what she wants and she goes after it. And my grandmother was the same way. I mean, um, I like to say that I broke the chain of abuse because I have a wonderful husband who is a phenomenal mm -hmm. father who came from a very different background. And next month we'll have been married 21 years and we have three children. Wow. Congratulations. He's phenomenal. He's nothing like my dad and nothing mm -hmm. like my mom's dad. So when I say my mom taught me how to be a survivor, she grew up with her dad was physically abusive to my grandmother. And in a time where you didn't, you didn't have divorce and you didn't leave, my mm -hmm. grandmother left with three girls. My, my mom has two sisters. And so my mom saw my grandmother survive. And, and they were homeless for a while. They lived in a car. Um, and my mom was, you know, went to school and she was a cheerleader. She did very well. She got straight A's. And I mean, nobody knew what was going on behind the scenes. You didn't talk about it back then. You didn't talk about things like that. And then I too was a survivor. And I'm watching my mom survive, leaving my dad. Um, I know that wasn't easy because he, he, back then he was a history teacher. He had the financial means to support her and she had this baby this little girl and she chose to leave because she could see that after he was done with his day job he was getting drunk and she didn't want to be a part of that and so she taught me that survival mode and I think that's 
you know, I, I survived through those childhood years. Uh, there's been a lot of things um, post-childhood in my life that I've survived and moved forward. And I think the other thing is that my mom has always taught me that no means no to a man. No means no, yes means yes. But also to an opportunity of something that you want, no means next opportunity. Mm. When I say no, there are different ways to say no. And, and that's kind of confusing probably, but let me reiterate. When I say no to somebody, you know, as a teenager, no, you cannot, I will not do that. That means no, or no, I will not try that drug. That means no, or no, I will not drink alcohol. That means no. But in business, <laughs> no is the next opportunity. We just got to get creative to figure out what that looks like. And my mom had to get creative in what she did. So she carried a job at the university that required a college degree. And my mom didn't have a college degree, but she showed them that she had the skill set to be able to do that job better than somebody coming out of college. So wow. phenomenal. Um, eventually, once she married my stepdad and, and moved and stuff, she had a phenomenal career. And I often praise her because she did something that required a degree and she did it without a degree and was successful at it. So she's taught me how to be strapped, how to work really hard to get what you want mm -hmm. and have boundaries with people and to you know, have ethics and morals and set those up and be firm with those. So I, I truly believe that if I hadn't gone through all of that, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. And it's funny because my mom and I were just talking about it the other day and it's hard for me to talk about it with my mom because as a parent, I think my daughter's name is Caroline. And I think if Caroline did, you know, put me through what I put my mom through, I, I don't like she, she, when you don't know where your child is, how do you survive that? And so we started talking about that. Wow. That is amazing. And your mom has a lot of, of things in common with my mom. And unfortunately with my mom, you know, every generation has a different set of issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, your mom's generation, we're starting to, which is my mom's generation as well, starting to really wake up to the reality of if this husband is not going to, to take care of or care for me, then I need to leave. And having the strength to do that, even though the elders were telling her or advising her against it or not supporting her decision, because that's what my mom had. My mom only had a mentor who's my grandma and my dad's mom, which is even tougher. And my mom grew up in a really poverty stricken area in the Philippines. And she had no high school education. So she also did not have a lot of options. And that's why with, with the way that I run my life and which hurts, you know, a lot of relationships too, is that I'll never depend on a man and I'm always chasing my dreams. And I, I don't care what other people think, including my husband or my partner or whatever. And it's just, it hurts. It's good and bad because I'm so driven that I just go. And I forget that I have a husband to talk to before making a decision. And I think I get, I think a lot of us just gets all those from watching our parents, but 
kudos to your mom for actually making a move that is so bold, you know, and, and showing you an example. And I think my mom showed us her strength very differently. And your mom showed her strength very differently. And both are have a lot of strength. So I'm so glad we're talking about our mom because the other thing too that um, I love about my podcast is the mission has become two. One is to validate people like you and me who has had rough childhood and to validate women that wants our moms who wants to be an entrepreneur and go for their dreams and not sacrificing that through motherhood and not sacrificing motherhood through their dreams, which is vice versa. And also for foster kids that don't have moms to be able to plug into a podcast and get a hold of something like this to hear other moms. What are moms like, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's interesting too, because I, I have two boys and a daughter and all three of them are so supportive of this business and they're so proud. And my husband is very supportive and I'm gone a lot um, since the cookbook, especially I've been gone a lot. And I think having their support and knowing that they're sacrificing having a mom at home right now and having them understand that and appreciate it and support it. Cause we have these, family meetings quite frequently and I'm always doing a check-in like hey I'm supposed to go for this length of time I'm going to be in this city I'm going to be doing x y and z are you okay with that this means you know dad's helping you with your homework or we're we're bringing in a tutor or you're going to have to make dinner can you do that are you okay with that and they're very supportive so I'm always checking in to make sure and then the other thing, because I mean, I was a stay-at-home mom. I had an online business, but everything I did was from at home. And when the kids wow. were in uh, school, when the two older ones were in school, I was room mom. I was at the school all the time. I mean, I went from that to running a business and being gone all the time and their dad taking my place and cutting back in his own career to be a bigger presence in their lives. Mm. At a time when they're teenagers, I think it's awesome because I never really had that. And so I think it's incredible. And, and I'm so glad that Caroline gets to have, and James and Grant gets to have a dad so involved in their lives um, to the point where he's like, you know, making them dinner, doing homework, some of the things that moms typically do, going on their field trips, that's mm -hmm. doing. And I think it's super cool because it's not like I, have never done that. I've been there. I've done that um, mm -hmm. time where I'm not the one doing that. And we've always said, Jim and I have always said, we have the means for me to stay home. And now we have the means for Jim to stay home. If so be it, that we would never have a nanny. And that's, and there's no judgment on people that have nannies. I, you know, I do not judge at all. Um, but we've always said that one of us would be home. And so mm -hmm kind of cool that it's flipped and he is willing to do it and the thing is he worked really hard to get to where he is in his career he's a physician so he went through medical school and residency and internship and he's de dedicated years of his life to get to where he is so to have him literally sit down with me and say Amy let's do this I'm okay to cut back and be a dad so that we can do this other thing mm -hmm. it's awesome it's mm -hmm. 
so cool to have that kind of support. And it's yeah. rare. I think it's rare. I, I love it because a lot of women are rising above the entrepreneurial world. And I think in order, and I know that before it used to be, there's always a woman behind a man's success. But seriously, the guys are stepping up to the plate. And my husband is the same way as Jim. And it's funny because we're so parallel. Like when I started my insurance practice, um, it was in 08, which my dad always says, you always do everything crazy, you know. <laughs> and um, my husband got laid off from his job. We were going to depend on his income. And that was like a double struggle for both of us. And he's a man's man, probably like Jim. And for a man's man to stay home, it's a huge ego zapper, you know? And so he stayed home for five years. And after five years, I just had this whole entire new mindset that I didn't want to be in a brick and mortar business. And I was tired of, of it. And I wanted, I was looking for more um, fulfillment and I wasn't getting it from my practice. And so it flipped. So then I, I became a mother hustler where I'm mostly bussing around my kids, volunteering at school, and my husband's bringing the money home. But I'm still bringing money home, but not as, as it used to be. So there's like these sacrifices. And then it just opened up the door for me. And I'm only working, you know, I, I was only working while the kids, and by this time the kids are in school. So I have this small window to be able to hustle and I really um, compliment my husband for that. So, so as Jim, because I often compliment him in, in a way where I say sometimes Ty is a better mom than I am. He will read to the kids and I'm like this tired mom that just wants to put my feet up the, the couch and ottoman and just lay there and drink my wine <laughs> while my husband is, is reading to the kids, doing the homework, sitting next to them tutoring them, teaching them. And I'm like, you know, oftentimes when you're a mother hustler, there's, there's a man supporting you. And, you know, obviously if you, if you have a spouse or a husband and they're, they have no problem whatsoever if you're killing it while they're reading to their children, because they also grew up watching their dads being absentee and they don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? So it's changing a lot. You know, women are changing a lot, but the guys are stepping up to the plate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jim is really blessed. He had a dad that was very hands-on, but he was a captain in the Navy and he was gone a lot too. So Jim helped his mom out a lot. He was the oldest of four and they're a very tight family. So I know when I first met Jim and he took me home, I called my mom and I said, it, it was like, I got to see what a family looks like with siblings. And I'm like, okay, I, I, I want to be a part of this. So I was very attracted to the family in general and just what Jim grew up with. I was, I wanted that. And I, I knew no matter what, I wasn't going to have kids unless I could provide them with a stable family that was top on my list. So wow. I'm, I'm really excited. I have some friends who, you know, I feel who have judged me um, about being gone a lot and not being home for your kids and 
you know, your kids, it's only, it goes so fast and it's so true. It's so true. And so the, the advice I give and the one that I take for myself is one, I'm really excited that the kids get to see everything that's happening and they, they know how hard I work. They know that sometimes I'm up at three in the morning, a lot of times, and that I'm going to bed late and it's a short term sacrifice for long-term results. But and I want to be that example to them and their dad's that example. Mm. His example is work hard in school, get good grades and it opens doors for you. Mm-hmm. And my example is be scrappy, work hard and it, and you can accomplish anything you desire. Mm-hmm. If you put your mind to it and manifest it. You can, you can put your, you can do it. Um, and so where was I going with that? <laughs> well, your business now is just like, you're just a rock star. So tell. Well, I know where I was going with it because I was talking about being judged. So when I'm home and I've been on trips or when we, when I know I'm carving out time and I'm very specific with my time now, like I, I'm very intentional. I carve out specific times and it sounds crazy to say I'm carving out time for my kids. Like that should just be an automatic thing. It almost sounds like old mom but the reality is when I carve out time which is when I'm home every day I will carve out specific intentional time you put the phone away you put the computer away you do what they want on their level Mm -hmm. so I'm not the parent and I'm trying not to be the parent my kids would probably argue this that is yelling at them about playing video games I'm trying to be the one that says hey okay your homework's done the chores are done let's play it together and I'm mm. wanting to learn their video games so I can be present in their life at their level and what they want and be very intentional about the time. So it's taken me a while to get there. Um, you know, I often I'm working off my phone as so many people are, and it's frustrating for them to come in and try to tell you about your day and you're in the middle or their day and you're in the middle on your phone. I know. So I'm very intentional about the time that I spend with them. And we, we've always done Friday family game night. And if it's not Friday night, it'll be Saturday night. Um, sometime during the weekend where we are just present and playing what they want to play. And so with those times that we have, that takes, it, it just means so much. And it, it's better than just being at home present, but not really involved. Yeah. Yeah, you're not engaged. You're just physically there, but you're not engaged with them. Um, Mine, like, this is how I know I'm on my phone so much when I, so I changed my ways because my, my little Taylor, my nine-year-old said, mom, you love your phone more than you love Caden. And Caden's my oldest, but Caden is in puberty and he doesn't want to hang out with me as much as the little one. So the little one, I lay with him um, for about 15 to 20 minutes before and it's a tuck in time, but it's really not. And mom just lays there with them and we talk about life and what he wants to talk about and no phone, no nothing. And, but I also give them permission and I say, I need to give you guys permission because mom can get in the zone of his work, of her work. And if I'm in my phone too much, you need to call me out on my crap, you know, cause mom is not perfect. And I tell my kids, like I make a lot of mistakes and also you have to communicate that to your kids that you are just not perfect and it's okay for them to talk, to speak up and ask for it and ask for my time. And if, 
the time is not enough that I spend with you, you need to say, can we do a little more? Like you have to demand it because you deserve it. Yeah. And so, um, and I have non-negotiables like you, you know, mm. um, and my kids, like you said, you know, you put them in your, you, you carve time out and mine are mostly non-negotiable. I have non-negotiable when I pick them up, I don't do my phone. I just, we go to the playground, we talk, we talk about their day and all that good stuff. So I'm so glad I'm not the only one. <laughs> yes. Now that is having a 16 year old that's soon to drive. Um, I have been very intentional about not getting on my phone. So it's really important to set that example in particular with the phone. Um, because pretty soon they're going to be driving and they'll be texting or talking. And I've seen some horrendous accidents now with yes. um, been involved uh, with texting. So I'm really purposeful about trying to be the example in particular with the phone. And I'd yeah. love you, I think at the next meeting we have, I'm going to ask them to demand my time if, if they feel like I'm not giving it to them. Yeah. My latest thing is that I kind of put myself on the back burner for this business as far as self-care and so my mm -hmm. new thing self-care and I'm like well how am I going to do self-care and promote a cookbook and run this multi-million dollar business and still be present with my kids so the latest thing that we're doing is we're doing exercising together and it's been so much fun because my daughter plays basketball so we all go out and play basketball together. They were on swim team. So we're, um, we're actually, because it's, it's winter for us, still, it's still so cold here. We're going to join a gym with an indoor pool so we can all swim together. So I'm finding that if I can combine my exercise and my self-care with them involved as well, it, it's great because for timing, you know, there's only so much time. Oh, you can integrate it. So like talk about the balance because I think a lot of, a lot of moms come to me and ask me, how do you, cause you know, they see social media, I've got my kids and hustling, I'm doing all this, I'm doing podcasts. Like, how do you do all that? Like, how do you find the balance to do all that? And I just always say, girl, there's no balance. You know, <laughs> you, you just like the, the faster you can absorb that information and capture that there is no such thing as balance. Because if you think about it, if you think of a gymnast that's balancing on the balance beam, they're still moving. Like in order to balance, you have to, to move around. And um, like you, you can, I, I said, there's just life work integration sometimes or self-care self and family integration, which exactly what you're doing, you're integrating two things so that you can, you can save time and you can do both at the same time which is phenomenal that you're, you're starting to like really figure that out. And you're also aware mm. with self-care because I know you have some, some health stuff going on and you share that at Spark. So I know, but the health stuff that you have is almost like an asset to you because even though it's such a, um, such an ir ironic thing to say, because that is what birthed your business. So tell us, tell us how Cauliflower came about. So, and it's interesting because, um, well, I'll tell you, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune. It's kind of a cluster mess of a situation that happened. Um, but basically, surgeries, I ended up getting a pulmonary embolism. We 
were looking for why, if I had a clotting disorder, why I ended up with the PE. And I had been getting rashes, but I had been treating it with steroids. We lived in the canyon at the time. I thought I was getting poison oak from, we had two golden retrievers. I figured they were um, giving me poison oak. Wasn't sure how it was getting on my chest because I don't rub up against my dogs, but <laughs> I was like, whatever, I have poison oak. We're treating it. And then lo and behold, when I was diagnosed with connective tissue disorder, it all made sense why the rashes were there. So I was put on a drug called Plaquenil, and I was also put on Coumadin, and I was going to the, or Warfarin, I was going to the Coumadin clinic three days a week, and it was just no way to live my life. And you talk about not being able to be present with your kids when you're really sick. That's why self-care is so important. I don't care how busy you are or what kind of business you're running. You've got to be, you've got to have self-care because, I mean, if you fall apart and it happens like that, um, you're no good to anybody. So that's where I'm at now, where I, I have to be very intentional about self-care. Um, so yes, I was diagnosed and I was on these horrific drugs and I actually was um, basically bedridden for about nine months, uh, gained a ton of weight. And so when I came off of that and I was on these, these drugs, I went, I did what everybody does when they're diagnosed with something, you go to the internet and I started researching ways to better myself or try to get myself off of these medications. And then I started meeting with people that are professionals, um, not doctors, but other people that had great advice for me, which was going grain-free and sugar-free. So I ended up um, becoming a health coach and trying to pay it forward. And I was working with some other health coaches and we started serving the cauliflower pizza crust because we had gone online and found the recipes. There were no cauliflower pizza crusts in the grocery stores. The only thing cauliflower you could buy in the grocery store at that time was a head of cauliflower. So there wasn't cauliflower rice and the rage of cauliflower didn't exist then. Um, but it was online. They had a lot of great recipes. And so we started playing with those. And then we used to have this thing called happy, healthy happy hours. So we didn't serve alcohol. We served healthy smoothies and different things, and we talked about health. And so then we started bringing the cauliflower pizza crust to those events. I tested it out on my family. My family was part of the creation of it. Um, my oldest, who's 16, James, that I talk about a lot, doesn't eat vegetables, and he would eat it. So I knew it was, it was something good for kids. And then we were convinced that we should take it to farmer's market. And in Chico, in Chico, California, we're in Northern California, we have one of the larger farmer's markets and it was very successful at farmer's market. So then one thing led to the next where we went from farmer's market to selling it online and now we're going in grocery stores nationwide. And that's how it came about. And you know what? I just served with our little jalapeno flatbreads. I just made tacos uh, last night for my family. So it's wow. an alternative and it's been a family event. I, in 2016, uh, one of my favorite memories is I came home, my family sent me out um, to the spa and I came home and my kids had processed, because at the time I had a cottage license and I was still doing it out of my home. They had processed 300 pounds of cauliflower for me. Wow. And it was such a cool Mother's Day gift. And so they were very involved. Um, 
you know, now they're they're involved, but in other ways, um, they're they're not helping me manufacture it. That's for sure. <laughs> that's amazing. Congratulations on all your success with that. Because, so Rachel Rourke, who I interviewed here on episode fourteen, um, <laughs> used to work with you, and um, she brought me a box of it, and it was delicious. Like so yummy so i'm so glad it's going into grocery stores and hopefully you guys get a costco contract as well you never know if that's <laughs> but you never know yeah rachel rachel was one of my health coaches early on and she was the perfect health coach because she was doing bodybuilding and she knew a lot about nutrition and i'm sure she told her story i mean she went through a transformation of what it's like to eat as a bodybuilder and it, it's not always healthy mm -mm. Uh, she was a great health coach and so it was natural for me to want to bring her on to cauliflower foods and help us and then she wanted to do her own thing and she's doing phenomenal and she's helping so many women so so um, awesome sad for her to leave us but we understood it and we're okay happy for her too. Yeah. Yeah. So I read something that you, that I resonated with me that you almost said about the same thing that Michelle Obama said about, I'm a, I'm a very good professional because I'm a very good mother and I, and I'm caring when I'm in my profession and I'm a very good mother because I'm chasing my professional dreams. And, and that gives my kids the mod, the model, um, to show them that in, that a woman can do whatever she, she like whatever she wants or whatever she puts her mind to like I love how she integrated both um, both sides and like when I read that I'm like oh that's such a mother hustler phrase right there you know yes, <laughs> yes. so amazing yeah, so yes i'm i've got to say one thing i'm so honored because and my team uh put this together for me it's hanging in our office but the second week the book came out i was on i made the same list that michelle obama's number one always and i was number 32. <laughs> but nonetheless they picked our book cover to highlight and hers along with like three others so i've got it framed in our office because my name's on that list and it's amazing so we made the top 100 uh, books and wow and she was number one so, so now you have cauliflower and now you have cauliflower um cookbook so we have cauliflower foods which is california flour the new white flour and then foods so it's c-a-l-i-f-l-o-u-r foods.com we're also in grocery stores. We've got uh, the cauliflower pizza crust. We have pasta that's made with lentils and cauliflower. And then we have wow. the pizzas. And we're coming out next month with topped pizza. We'll be the healthiest top pizza in wow. the country out in grocery stores. And then um, we have the cauliflower kitchen cookbook, which was a national bestseller. And then we opened a brick and mortar, which is a pizza bar inside of a a grocery store that's similar to Whole Foods, but it's called New Earth Market in Chico. And we have this pizza bar that serves topped cauliflower pizza. Crust. Amazing. Amazing. Phenomenal. Now, what's the name of the pizza bar? It's called the Cali Concept Kitchen. So Amazing. Uh, yeah, so behind that, and my kids have worked in that. Matter of fact, when we took it over, we had to gut it and kind of clean it, and they were in there doing that. Um, and James is 
works in there every once in a while. And so they're involved in that as well. But basically the idea behind it was to come up with new recipes, but then we wanted to also serve them to the, the community. And we launched, we opened right after the fires happened in Northern California. And we wow. were supposed to have this great party, this great launch. And what we ended up doing was serving pizzas to evacuees and taking it to shelters. So much different approach to a grand opening. And we still haven't been able to have a grand opening because the community here is, you know, still healing and there's so yeah. much recovering. And you can't you can't throw a party with that. So we're still trying to help fire victims. We're still doing donations. So that's been a big, big part of my life the last few months. That's amazing how you 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 have such a big heart. So you just like you almost, well, you deserve all the success even more because you give so much, you oh, know? Thank you. Well, I do believe, I run my business off the five Ps and I talked about that at, at Spark, but one of them is paying it forward. And so I absolutely believe the success has happened to me for a reason and that I need to pay it forward, whether mm -hmm. it's teaching people you know, different skills in business or, or paying it forward by a monetary donation. Um, we just were on Rachel Ray this week. Um, How exciting. No, we were going to be on Rachel Ray. We were in Boulder, Colorado. And we were approached to um, donate some money to a single mom who was trying to clean up the free lunch program. And since I was a free lunch kid <laughs> for so many years, wow. Um, I was very passionate about giving a check for that because I know what it's like to be teased by getting the free lunch. Uh, my kids tell me that doesn't happen in school anymore, but so I'm glad, but apparently at this particular program it does. And then Rachel Ray picked it up and she highlighted us by putting our check wow. up in her name. So things like that happen. My point to that is when you pay it forward, it comes back to you tenfold. And if you do it because you want to get something paid back to you, or you do it for money, or you do it for recognition, it works. It has to be genuine and from the heart, and then it will come back to you. It can't be disingenuous. So yeah. I love that we, we serve, and there's a lot of things we do that nobody even knows about. And then there's things that we do that we promote because we want other people to jump on. It's not to have people praise us. It's simply to get other people motivated to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Also creates awareness about who you're giving to, especially when they need the publicity because they are just not getting enough funding, but their purpose is super either near and dear to your heart or, or, or something that'll make a huge impact bigger than yourself, bigger than your company. It's always bigger than us, yeah. you know? So sure. what is your, your message to um, your kids if they were to listen to this? Ooh. My message to my kids. Well, I would want to remind them of the five P's that we stand for, which is surrounding ourselves with people that are like-minded, that have the same value system that we do, that we can learn from, that we can teach. Um, the paying it forward, the serving, always doing it from the heart, never doing it to try to get something back in return, but to truly genuinely care. Um, to be passionate about their dreams, not to feel like, I mean, everything, anything's possible. So not to, um, you know, think that they can't do something because it seems too far-fetched, but keep that passion alive about your dreams and, and you can manifest and you can pray and you can, you can create a life that 
you accomplish your dreams in. I, I truly believe that I'm living proof of that. And then perseverance is a big one. So, you know, when they're having a bad day or they failed a test or life isn't going exactly the way you want it. And I, I see it daily in my business, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but not a lot in between. And so to get through those lows, you need to take the highs the the, you know, whatever you did, the great scoring basketball game or the straight A that they got on that test, take that feeling and let it help you guide you through the not so great times because there's mm-hmm. going to be that and they need to see that. I need to not protect them from that. I want them yeah. to have some difficult challenges so they learn how to persevere through those. So that's, those are my keys. I feel like, oh, and my fifth key is a product, having a really good clean product. So I, I would like to encourage them to eat less sugar, <laughs> to be healthier because I think what you put in your body, I'm living proof of it it directly affects everything your sleep you don't get enough sleep you're not functioning 100% so yeah as teenagers they they're a little junk food junkies and I want them to be a little more mindful of that but I love them I love them dearly and they're great kids and they have really big hearts really that's great we always our parenting always shines through our kids that it doesn't necessarily shine through us but it shines through our kids what is your message to your (laughs) is that scary (laughs) well my 14 year old was a little hormonal and she said something yesterday and I'm like oh my gosh I must be a terrible parent for you to say that to me so hey one thing as parents we have to realize and we have to stick together that you know our kids aren't perfect and they're gonna say Mm -hmm things that are horrible and you're going to be like where did that come from and how could you do that but well sometimes they go through the the puberty stage you know and um it's such a great excuse and i think we give them a lot of grace during those stages what about your mom if she was to listen today what would you tell your mom i i try to tell her all the time now i'm so grateful to her for not giving up on me as a Mm -hmm. teenager I'm so grateful for her to be the strength and the example of what it's like to be uh, a mom, a single mom, um, a mom, a hardworking mom, even when she wasn't single, um, Mm. a mom that sets boundaries. I, I just, I really love her and appreciate her and I'm so grateful for her. Absolutely. Wow. Okay, before I go to my last question, this is your time to shine and you've been shining through the whole episode anyways, but I just want to commend you first before you tell us where to find you and if you have any freebies to give, commend you for just going and chasing for your dreams regardless of your health situation because, you know, and that's probably fulfilling you and making you a lot healthier because you're going through the pursuit and you are super successful. Many of us look up to you. So thank you for showing up the way that you do. It's super fun to watch and how you've grown and your cookbook. I can't wait to order your cookbook. I know it's gonna be good. I'm sending it to you. You don't have to So so tell us where to find you, Amy. So the cookbook is everywhere books are sold. So I'm proud to say that um, it it is even in grocery stores now, not every grocery store, but a lot of grocery stores. 
So you can definitely find it at Barnes and Noble and you can find it on Amazon. Um, so it's called Cali, Cali Flower Kitchen and like Cali, not Cali, Cali, C-A-L-I. And it's 125 recipes, um, not necessarily pizza, but all using cauliflower. You would be amazed. I am living proof. I did not like cauliflower when I first started this journey. I, it wasn't a vegetable you found in my house. So I love it now. It's a staple. It's amazing. So definitely get the cookbook. It's great. And the one thing about the cookbook too is it's got a little key on the side, like a map key. So if you're doing any kind of particular program like keto or paleo, it'll mm -hmm. tell you if the recipe fits that. But if you're vegetarian, you know, vegan, it will tell you that as well. If you're grain-free, gluten-free, it'll tell you that as well. And all of the recipes are gluten-free and grain-free because I am. And I, I didn't want to make any recipe I couldn't eat. Um, and it's beautiful photography, amazing, because wow. I'm the girl that has to see, I'm a visual. So if I'm using a cookbook, I have to have a picture of what I'm cooking. Yeah. Got it. So that was one of my things that I told the publishers, got to have a, a picture for every recipe. And then our products are on Cali, again, California, flowerfoods.com. I have two best friends in high school. They'll always be my best friends, Christy and Anne. And it's Christy that's coming. And I said, oh, congratulations. I didn't even know you were trying. So she's coming um, for a teach. I didn't know you started teaching. And she said, um, I, I haven't, but I got this, but I have the credentials because we all have, you know, really good. I have the credentials to teach. So whatever you can find, like loophole to get. And so I'm like, you go, girl. I'm so proud of you. And you don't really are. And she's, you know, she's saying, like, you really inspire me, even though you're a mom. Like, I've, I've almost give up, given up on my dream. And this is in relation to what you told your kids. You no know, parent you are. Because I think we use our kids sometimes as an excuse not to. When it should be an excuse to go for it's not an excuse, but should be a reason to go for it, for it even harder and bigger. Right. Yep. And so I, I was so happy to, she flew out last night and she, I think she's flying in today, Saturday in LA. And I'm so excited. She's on a five-year visa. Welcome. I did. And then in two years, she's going to get her family over. He has, she says, yeah. I said, you know, I'm so glad you never gave up. You, I didn't even know you were going for it. And it's just because wow. you just inspire me to do things, you know. It's good for you, girl. It's exciting. So those are the kind of um, message that you love to hear from people, you know. Yeah. And, and especially, too, if you do that for your kids and inspire them to, to not give up, no matter how wrinkly you get. <laughs> yeah, how tough. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, before we end our conversation, because I think I can talk to you all day long, <laughs> uh, what is your message to all the moms out there? Um, you know, including me, because I'm listening to obviously I'm interviewing you and listening to your wisdom. What is your message to them? And it doesn't have to be simple, it could be a longer message. I would say, <clears throat> number one, if you, number one, stay tuned in to yourself. 
what's going on with you, what's going on in your relationship, like with your spouse or partner, and what's going on with your kids. Stay tuned in and be aware as, as best you can. Be aware um, and never give up learning because if you, if you truly care about your own personal growth, it will have a ripple effect on the family. Um, and, and know that you're doing your best. Don't beat yourself up because especially if you work from home, it's hard. Sometimes we think well, I should be with my kids, but I've got to make some money, but I should be with my kids, but I've got to make some money. Um, do your best 